Welcome to the Business Intuition Podcast, the place where you can learn to trust your intuition to make business decisions without having to meditate for hours, wear crystals, or give up on coffee or wine. You don't have to leave your IQ at the door. Embrace intuitive intelligence to create a business that lights you up and finally experience the success that you deserve. Welcome to another episode of the Intuitive Revolution in Business. And today I have the pleasure and the honor of um, having Catherine Rickards as my guest. So, Catherine, um, I would love for you to explain to our guests first a little bit where you live in the world, because um, I don't usually ask this question from my guests, but actually I've had guests from all over the world. And also perhaps. Um, yeah, what, what is your business about and why are you so passionate about it? Something like that. Sure. That order. <laughs> so I'm across the pond. I live in just outside of Calgary, Alberta, Canada. So I'm quite a far distance away from you, but like, I absolutely love how the internet just connects all of us together. So that's pretty good. And that leads me right in. My business is all about connection. Like I am very passionate about connection. I connect people to each other. I connect people to themselves. I connect people to their inner magic. That's what lights me up. Um, And (laughs) I think part of that, I've always been that way. I've always been the type that I wanted to include everybody as a kid and make sure nobody felt left out and that sort of thing. And um, long story prior to me opening my business a couple of years ago, I actually was a teacher for 16 years. So I prided myself on the fact that I was amazing at building relationships and building them very quickly and genuinely and deeply. And so that was my passion in school was getting to know all of the kids and getting to know their parents and getting to know the community that I serviced and all of the rest of it. And so that's just really beautifully continued into the career that I have right now. And my focus right now is on women. So my audience has changed a little from six and seven year olds to like women who range from like 35 to 60, but here we are. (laughs) I feel like I'm still doing the same job. I'm still teaching. I'm still inspiring. I'm still facilitating and I'm still connecting people. So makes me happy. (laughs) That is so beautiful. And I agree with you. You're very good at connecting people to their magic. I would definitely vouch for that. Um, So how long have you been doing what you're doing and what led you into it? I think that bit is, uh, I really want to hear the story. Okay. I officially have been in business for two years, um, but I know, I know we'll, we'll probably touch on this later. So I'll save a little bit about exactly how I ended up where I am, but You know, teaching is a beautiful career, but it's the most passionate teachers get burnt out in my experience, myself included. And some of my closest friends who are still teaching are just completely burnt out. And it's because you get to a point where like you give and give and give and give so much that you just don't have anything left. And due to the nature of the job, teaching is not like a nine to five career. You take your work home with you. You constantly worry about the little people that are in your classroom or the big people, whoever it is that your audience is. And you, you tend to like become very intertwined in their lives. And for myself, I've always been an empath, um, an out of control one for many years where I just took on everyone's energy and I didn't have my own solid practice of knowing how to kind of be an empathetic person, but not take on anyone's energy that felt heavy or burdened somehow. Right. And most of the kids that I worked with came from situations where they had traumatic pasts. And like, like I said, a few minutes ago, like I taught six and seven and eight year olds, like they haven't been too far into their little lives, but just due to the nature of the schools that I was in, a lot of them came from like kind of tough backgrounds. And so I always kind of adopted all of these little humans as my own and I cared for them. I would feed them at school with my own money and things like that. And so when you leave at the end of the day and you send them home to the environment that, you know, they're not thriving in 
necessarily, it, it plays on your mind. And so doing that for years on end wears on a person who doesn't know how to protect their energy and their own kind of sense of self. Right. Um, so fast forward to 2014, I was pregnant with my first child game changer. I'll just throw that one. in. <laughs> it's amazing. I had lots of energy to give until I had my own babies. And then it was like, what just happened to my life? <laughs> so I had my son in 2014, he was two months premature. So that brought a whole pile of stress along with it. Um, but we made it through, he's thriving now he's almost eight. And, you know, at the time I thought I was prepared for motherhood. I thought I had a really good grasp on like, you know, how to handle kids, (laughs) what was good for them and things like this. And then, and then I had my own baby and I was like, oh man, I have no idea what I'm getting myself into. And so it really took a a toll on me because as much as I had really amazing close knit friendships, it doesn't matter how close you are. If you're not in the exact same season of your life, your whole world changes as soon as you bring a baby in relationship with your husband changes relationship with your friends change the relationship with yourself changes. And I very much fell into that gap where I sort of lost who I was. I felt like I didn't have a purpose other than keeping this tiny human alive. And it really played on me because my whole life I had been these different roles. I was a daughter. I was a wife. I was a teacher And I didn't really know that that was part of my story or my cycle is being caught up in the label and not so much in the person behind the label. Right. And so when I had this baby, I felt like I completely didn't have a sense of self because I couldn't be the wife I wanted to be because my son never slept. He had horrible, horrible issues the first probably six to eight months of his life. And so I was exhausted all the time. I couldn't show up for my husband the way that I thought I needed to. I, I obviously wasn't a teacher anymore because I was on maternity leave. So that label went out the window. The, the label of daughter went out the window because I'd never made contact with my mom. Like I was just trying to survive. And in going through that process, I really, a light bulb just kind of came on of like, holy, like, who am I? What am I doing with my life? Like, because everything just stopped. Everything just stopped. And when things stop, you have to kind of pay attention. Right. And like a lot of times we throw out the word like surrender, receive, allow all of these things. But like, ultimately that's what it means. It means you get to a point in your life where you just are forced to stop. And that's exactly what happened to me in between 2014 and 2016, 2016, I had my second baby, my daughter. And at that point, what everyone else labeled a breakdown is what I went through. I had severe postpartum depression that I was not diagnosed with, but looking back, I realized that's exactly what was happening. Um, my husband and I had a terrible relationship. Like I had so much hatred and so much jealousy for like the amount of freedom that he still had and the amount of burden that I felt I had because keep in mind, I'm like, you know, this overgiver and people pleaser in my life who wants to ensure that everyone else is taken care of. And I've never looked after myself. (laughs) And so you get to this point where like, I'm crying for help, but not physically asking for it. I'm doing all of the, you know, outward, like pouting and slamming of doors and being angry and all of the rest of it in the house. But like, I never actually said like, I need you to step up and support me. So of course, the men are not mind readers, but we like to sometimes assume they are. It just caused this huge divide in our relationship. And so I'll rem- I will never forget this day, 20, 2016, almost all oh, 2017, I guess. Carly was almost a year old. I ended up in my doctor's office in tears. I had already been back to work. I went back to work when she was three months old based on our financial situation. I made more money than my husband did at the time. And it was not smart for me to stay home for another mat leave. So I was back to work. I was completely burnt out. I had a class of 29 kids, more than half of them were on specialized programs. So I am at school giving and giving and ensuring that these little beings are nurtured and looked after. And then I go home and immediately give and give and give and ensure my two little beings are looked after. And I had nothing left to give myself or anyone else by the end of the day. And so I end up in my doctor's office in tears, 
almost borderline hysterics saying that I like, I don't know what I'm doing. I like, I need a break. I need a break. I don't know what else I need, but I need a break. He tried to diagnose me with depression and anxiety, which I probably had a piece of, but ultimately I knew deep down, I didn't need medication. I needed a friggin' hot minute to have some space to myself and figure out like what I was going to do to allow myself to be part of the equation because nobody else was coming to rescue me. And it wasn't until that moment that I realized that. And as soon as I did realize that, that's when I started advocating for myself. And that's when my life completely changed. What an amazing story. And at the same time, I can hear through your story, I, I see myself as well. Mm-hmm. I see, I'm sure a lot of listeners will, will relate to this, uh, especially when you're an overgiver. And, and then, let's be frank, <clears throat> having um, a human being you have to look after changes everything puts your life on on its head and and they don't come with a manual as either I know mine didn't and whew, um, that was and I love the thing you say about labels as well because when I left my my job as a lawyer I didn't think I was attached to the title of lawyer it but I was because but I was obliged to almost because the first thing that people ask you when they meet you for the first time they don't tell you what is it the thing that you love to do the most? Or, or they just say, what do you do? <laughs> and I didn't yeah. have an answer for that. I had no answer at all. Mm-hmm. And so I started isolating myself because I didn't know how to cope with these demands and these labels and how to fit in society. So I can really relate with, with what you're saying. Um, mm-hmm. and, oh my God. And isn't it interesting? I love that you said nobody asks you like, what makes you happy or what brings you joy as an adult? Like that's almost the first thing you ask kids. What's your favorite yeah. fill in the blank, right? Who, nobody ever has that conversation as an adult. So like, where, did, where did that gap happen? Yeah. <laughs> where did we lose the joy? Yeah, Absolutely. exactly. And yeah. you know what, when listening to you as well, one of my big dreams when I was a kid was to actually be a school teacher. And now I know why I wasn't. <laughs> I think I would have burnt out even quicker than you. <laughs> I yeah. think it burnt out in like literally weeks. Yeah, months. honestly, the stats are are staggering when you look at them. There's, I, I don't know numbers off the top of my head, but I remember when I went through my training in university to become a teacher, they said like within the first five years, that's when most teachers will drop off the, like the radar because they realize how quickly that they're not quite cut out for the full like expectations of the job. Wow, that's really sobering, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And like 29 kids seems to so many kids, honestly. It's a lot of kids. And it, it was a split class, which means I had both grade one and grade two in the same classroom at the same time. So you're teaching two separate curriculums. And like I said, like literally probably 20, that. I would say 20 out of my 29 kids were on specialized plans, which means you have to meet those needs over and above the regular curriculum, right? Modifying um, accommodating, whatever that looks like. Right. I don't even know how that's possible. Honestly. Yeah. (laughs) Realistically, it's not, that's the problem, but that's a whole other, that's a whole other podcast topic. Probably. probably. Okay. So you find yourself crying in the doctor's office. They diagnose you with depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. You go home, I suppose after that, you didn't just say, yeah. So, Yeah. He didn't, I asked for some stress leave from work and he didn't want to give it to me. He sent me to mental health, which of course, like I've, I've been to counselors since I was like early twenties, I fully support and believe in counseling and think that it's 100% beneficial, whether you've had trauma in your life or not, it's just great and therapeutic to have somebody to talk to when you're feeling overwhelmed. Right. And so I've always been an advocate of mental health and counseling and I've always gone. And so when he said like, you need to go to a counselor, I was like, yeah, I've been actually trying to find one since I moved here, <laughs> which, which had been about probably 10 years, but with the, the state of mental health, um, I don't know, possibilities where I live in Canada, it's like, it's, it's terrible unless you're suicidal or um, you know, high on the radar when it comes to the checklists, 
you're on a waiting list for months or years to try and get into anybody. So it's really difficult to find some, find that level of support. Um, so because I got a referral from him and because the state I was in, they, they took me in. So I had six sessions with a, with a psychologist, which was great. Um, and so I did that. He, he told me he didn't want me to be at home because I would have had too much time on my hands, um, to sit with my depression and that could be dangerous. And I was like, okay, but you're not, you're not listening. Like I'm not suicidal. I'm not going to hurt myself. I'm not going to hurt my kids. Like I, I need, I need a break. I need to sleep. <laughs> like I need to sleep. I need to breathe. I need to reassess my life. And I need some space to do that because if I'm working all day, I don't have two seconds to myself. And so I knew that I needed to create that pocket of time for myself when my kids were at daycare, because that was the only time that I was going to get. And so we met in the middle. He granted me two weeks um, of stress leave, which didn't actually end up being two weeks because of the time of year that I went, there was a holiday in there. So really I had seven days, but I took it and I ran with it. And in those seven days, it's amazing. It's an amazing when you're a determined woman, what you can accomplish in seven days with like six and a half hours of spare time. (laughs) So within that seven days, I reevaluated my life. I got my priorities straight. I knew I needed something else because nothing was filling me up. And I needed something for me because I knew that if I wasn't okay, all of these people around that I was trying to support were also not okay. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I found some courses that really decided to light me up because that was one of the questions I asked myself in these seven days that I had off, like, what is going to make you happy? What is going to bring some joy into your life? And one of the things that was going to bring joy in my life was starting my personal development journey and learning about healing trauma and learning, which sounds weird is like something that would be like, um, you know, self-care, but it was, um, because I wanted to be able to do things for myself. And so I knew I couldn't get the support long-term that I wanted externally of me. So I was like, I'm going to take matters into my own hands and be able to like fix myself. I'll put that in quotations. Um, but in that process, I also got into like energy work and working with angels and, that kind of like leads into the segment about business, but, um, I've always been the type where I could like see, hear and feel spirit energy, whatever you want to call it, crossed over loved ones, guides, angels, everything. And I've had experiences as a kid of that, but because like a lot of people don't really appreciate mediumship or psychics. It's like looked down upon as like, you're the weird kid or whatever. Um, as soon as that label came out, I was like, no, we're shutting this down. That's not safe. (laughs) And so I buried it and I never, I never explored it. But at this point I was 36 and I think there's something magical that happens in your thirties as, especially as women, you start just kind of not caring what anybody else thinks. <laughs> and it, that it, is a, what was a, a pivotal year for me too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I, I really, I was like, you know what? Screw it. Because if, if the people around me think I'm a, a complete freak, so be it. It makes me happy to explore and figure out like what I've buried for so long. And so I sort of just immersed myself in everything like energy work, mediumship, healing, like you name it, I was part of it. And so although it was one more thing added to my plate that I had to try and like make room for, it was, it wasn't stressful because it was the only thing at the time that felt like it filled me up because as much as I loved my kids, they didn't fill me up. They drained me as much as I loved my husband. He didn't fill me up. He drained me. My career was draining me. My friendships felt strained because it felt like I had to like make time for all of these people. And as much as I enjoyed the connection of spending time with them, it was like, okay, but now I have to ask for like John to look after the kids like this night so I can meet them without kids and whatever. Right. Because everybody wants a mom's night out. And so just the nature of like my tribe at the time and everything, I just felt really disconnected from myself and what made me happy. So I just turned everything else off. And I learned that no was a complete sentence, which was really pivotal in my life. Um, And I started doing something for myself. And it's interesting because all of these things that I started off doing as self-care 
are now things that I use every single day in my business. And so that, like, I know you had said you wanted to talk about an intuition story in business, and I know that's not completely aligned, but that's the first thing that has ultimately led to me trusting and being an intuitive business owner. And at the time I had no idea, like I took Reiki training. I had never had a Reiki session in my life, but for whatever reason I was drawn to it. And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? Let's go sign me up. And I did all of my (laughs) Reiki training all the way through all, all the levels and like had no idea why I was drawn to it. None, but I was following that gut, right. That instinct, whatever you want to call it. And so it's interesting. Yeah. When, when it was time for me to start my business, like I knew I wanted a shift. I knew I needed to get out of teaching because I knew that was like sort of the biggest energy sucker in my bit, in my life, not because I wasn't still passionate, but because of all of the politics and the expectations that are put on teachers, it wasn't the kids and the teaching, the literal teaching that was draining me. It was everything else. Right. And so I knew I needed a change, but how do you leave a career that's paying you a really good salary every month with, you know, medical benefits and a pension and everything else? Because society teaches us like, that's, that's what you should do. You should go to school and you should get a good job and you should have this job that's like secure and like setting you up for your retirement and all of the rest of it. Right. So, you know, being the person who always followed the rules and who, you know, did the right thing and always like did things in the right order. I literally could not resign from teaching. I couldn't do it as much as I wanted to. I couldn't do it. And thank you conditioning that led me to that point. (laughs) But you know what? There's powers beyond what we can see. And this is like probably my favorite story to tell is the fact that the, the universe listened. When you talk to your angels, when you talk to the universe, when you talk to God, whatever it is that you resonate with, they listen. And they answer back, especially when they see you're taking steps in the direction that you wish to go. And because I was doing all of this work, because I was doing the things that light me up, because I followed my joy, let's call it the things that made my heart feel warm and fuzzy. And I knew that I wanted to do more of those things. And one of the very first activities that I did when I hired like a a coach per se, a life coach, I don't know what you want to call her, but she had me write out, like, what do you want your life to look like in five years? And teaching was not on it. And it was really interesting. I still wanted to be of service. I still wanted to be helping people, but I didn't know what that looked like. And I just let it be, I let it be unknown at the time. And so the universe heard that. And they knew, they knew, I say they, whoever they is, but like my spirit team knew that I needed some help and I asked for help. I verbalized it for them. And so in 2020, January of 2020, my husband was in the military. He spent 16 years in the military. So January of 2020, he gets a posting message. So we are set to be moving from Alberta to Nova Scotia, which is completely across the country. And so I knew in that moment that was the golden ticket. That was my golden ticket to resign from teaching because there was no way that my husband and my two kids were going to move across the country and I was going to stay in Alberta and continue teaching. There was no way that that was going to happen. And nobody would expect me to do that. So I wrote up my letter of resignation. I set it for March 27th, 2020. <laughs> and for any of you that like are playing with the dates and like realizing what's happening, you will know that this was absolutely divine timing. That was just literally the Friday before all the schools shut down because of the pandemic. So like, if that is not divine intervention, I don't know what is. Fast forward, we never got the posting message. John ended up getting medically released from the military, which had been a four year long process. Um, But isn't it interesting that it was the posting message and that energetic permission of like, take a breath, you get to move and figure out what you're doing, right? That was enough to allow me to put that big step forward and put in my letter of resignation. And because I thought that's what we were doing. And then when plans change, you shift. And I was like, okay, I have this opportunity. I'm going to start my business. (laughs) And so here we are. (laughs) That's such a good story. I really like it. 
And I like how you said that you you wouldn't have had the courage necessarily because I was in the same position. I literally had to be spit, spat out of the corporate world by actually being made redundant because otherwise, why would I have left uh, a job that paid well when I was a single number two person made? I just, I couldn't do it. I just couldn't. The system had to literally, um, and it happened after my Reiki 2 attunement, which I believe, is it Reiki 2 or Reiki 1? No, Reiki 1. And I believe that the actual Reiki energy, when you do the attunements, gets rid of everything that doesn't work in your life. Everything that's not aligned is going to just go. I always say that as a warning. I don't teach Reiki anymore. But when I did, I said, be careful with your Reiki attunements. Anything can happen. Yeah. <laughs> you can lose yeah. relationship. You can lose jobs. You can whatever. It, it will happen if it's not aligned. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. That's really interesting. And, and I love what you're saying as well because what you needed, which is what you now help your clients with, if you, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, you needed to be connected to yourself and your own magic, which you've lost along the way. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what you do now for your ideal yep. clients because she has everything that everybody else wants, just like you, you had everything that everybody else wanted, the yep. house, the kids, the husband, the career. And yet deep inside, you were unsatisfied and disconnected, yeah. right? I felt alone. That's one of the things that like, probably one of the most profound statements that I ever wrote one time was that I felt alone in a house full of people. And there's no better way to describe it than that. Because I did, I felt alone everywhere I went until. Yeah, and as well, you probably felt bad about feeling that way because you knew that a lot of people would have wanted to have what you had. Mm-hmm. So we're made to think that we have to be grateful for everything that we have. So if we're not happy with what we have, then there's something wrong with us as well. Yeah. And that's very damaging, actually. It's part of that toxic positivity, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because, it, I mean, your emotions are there for a reason. And I don't know about you, but like I was raised in an era where like two emotions, you know, were the ones that were spoken about happy or sad. And if you were sad, you had to, you know, like go to your room, have your cry, whatever. It wasn't meant to be seen. wasn't meant to be talked about. Happiness was the emotion that was allowed to be displayed. Right. And it's so detrimental. Like, is it any wonder there's so many of us, like I'm 42 and I, I know I'm not alone in saying this for my generation. There's so many of us that have these buried emotions. Well, like, is it any wonder <laughs> we're coming off the heels of the generation of like, you're seen and not heard. <laughs> At least we were allowed to be heard <laughs> to a degree, but only if it was appropriate, whatever, whatever our parents deemed appropriate, right? Oh, but I and think so, because parents get so challenged when their kids are not happy, then they make it about themselves and they feel that they've not been good parents. And so there is this yeah. almost like, um, it's almost like a survival instinct of, of shutting down your kids' negative emotions so that you don't feel uh, threatened with the parents. That's what mm-hmm. my parents did for sure. Yeah, exactly. And that's, and that's why all of these like ancestral cycles continue because it's very difficult to break them. Mm-hmm. And I just, I see so many of us getting to the point now where it's like, no, it's time. It, it's time to have a new narrative. It's time to let go of that old conditioning. Like who is it serving? It's not serving any, maybe the counselors who are like benefiting from having all of these clients that have to come and talk about all of these buried emotions, but like, it's not healthy, right? Kids should know that they have a voice, boys and girls, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Boys should know as children that it's okay to display emotions. It's okay for boys to cry, right? Just as much as it's okay for girls to cry. It's okay for girls to have a voice and stand their ground. It's not being bossy. It's standing in their truth. There is nothing wrong with kids being able to debate what they think is right. It doesn't mean that they're going to get their own way, but in allowing them that space to do that, it's teaching them that they don't have to quiet their voice, that they, it's, it's safe to speak up and like stand in your truth and set your boundaries for yourself. You don't want to hug and you say, I don't want to hug. Then the person on the receiving end of that should respect it, Right. And I think there's so many of us that have such weak boundaries because of this. Yeah, I have to go through that a lot as a parent of autistic kids. My kids don't want me to hug them. And mm-hmm. it's sometimes difficult, but it's that's what it is. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 
but that's how we empower them, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So you did say you consider yourself intuitive. Yes. Um, how do you receive your intuition? I'm sure oh there's God. many different ways, but I'd love for you to express it because <clears throat> every guest that comes on the show that express it in a different way gives opportunity for listeners to maybe recognize their way through someone else's. You know, it's just like mm-hmm. diversity and inclusion. And I think it's the same that's needed in the uh, intuitive world. Um, yeah. So please let, tell us what, how, what does it look like to, to receive? My intuition that? looks very quiet. That's what it looks like. It's very, 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 very quiet in the background of my mind or my body. And <clears throat> I am someone who I'm an emotional generator. I'm a, a three, five emotional generator when it comes to human design. And so I have to ride that emotional wave before I can make any decisions. And I've only in the last year or so, like learned a little bit more about that, but everything that I learn is just so bang on because I, I can be a very impulsive person in the fact that like, if I'm connecting with someone and they've got high energy, namely business coaches and people that I'm like looking to invest in, if they're telling me how amazing their program is and they've got, you know, this offer and we're going to give you this and we're going to give you that. I'm the type of person that's like, yeah, like sign me up. I don't think about it. And then afterwards, when I actually process and I start going through and like really listening to like what it is the program's about or what the offer is, then I'm like, oh man, I probably shouldn't have signed up for that because it's not exactly what I'm looking for. Right. And so I have learned that I very much like I have a strong intuition, but I also need to honor that emotional wave that I need to ride so that my emotions don't override my intuition. Because ultimately my intuition will give me a yes or no nudge, but sometimes my emotions are stronger, like they're a louder voice. And so the excitement of something will sometimes override the like, you don't really need this right now. <laughs> you know what, it makes sense, actually, I can, I can feel myself into that and probably our listeners can also recognize that, um, how yeah, how emotions can literally silence or our egos sometimes can silence our intuition. Um, mm-hmm. My intuition is very, very quiet as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, something that I've, I've realized that helps me a lot is like allowing my logical brain and my intuitive brain to like play together. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's something that I've worked really hard to try, like a relationship that I've worked hard to try and formulate, because I mean, there is, there is an absolute gorgeous place for your, your logical brain or your ego. Some people call it an ego, right? But like, to me, it's the same thing. It's that, it's that piece of you that's trying to keep you safe. And like your ego doesn't mean anything bad. It's just, that's, that's your survival. You don't want to put yourself in a position where you are out of your comfort zone, Right. And the more we inch towards the like boundaries of our comfort zone, the stronger our ego or the stronger our logical mind, the stronger our overactive mind, whatever that looks like for you kind of kicks in. It's like, oh, but you know, the self-sabotage or the, you know, the financial worries or whatever it is that steps up to the plate for you particularly. But um, that's when it usually steps in and it's like, okay, but, but my intuition knows that this is going to help expand me into like something like Catherine 2.0, let's just call it. So like, why am I not allowed to expand myself while still trying to be safe? Right. So like, maybe I'll take it in little steps. And like one of the, my favorite things to tell my clients is just like baby steps. It doesn't matter how big the step is, as long as it's a step forward, because forward is the direction we're going. Right. And in order to expand, in order to be, get used to being comfortable with like doing things scared, like feel the fear. Fear is, fear is beautiful, <clears throat> but it, it's only beautiful if it's not debilitating. And when it becomes debilitating to the point where you can't step out of your comfort zone for whatever that is, whether it's a business opportunity, whether it's making a new friend, whether it's applying for the job, <clears throat> excuse me, when fear becomes debilitating, that's when, you know, our ego is holding us back and it's not allowing our intuition to be that beautiful compass that it's designed to be for us. Right. And then when that happens, there's no shame in reaching out for a mentor or someone who can give you that little nudge. Right? I do that all the time. Right? I really exactly. There's no shame yeah. in that. 
Yeah. Sometimes we just need to borrow someone else's confidence in us until we can yeah, see it. I like that. Exactly. So do you have a story you'd like to add about that big piece of intuition in business or you feel that you've already shared what you want? Yeah, sure. Well, and you're a big piece of this actually. So when I started my business in 2020, um, I didn't really know what I was doing. Let's be honest. Like I was trained to be a teacher. I have two degrees. I have a degree in psychology, developmental psychology, and then I have an education degree. And so none of that has to do with business. So I had no sweet clue how to start a business, how to run a business, how to build a website, how to do the things. Right. And so the first person that I looked for was someone who was an expert in all things business. And so I hired a business coach and I love her to death. She's amazing. Um, but the program that I entered into was far beyond what I needed at the time. And that, that was that emotional wave. She was all about it. She was excited. She knew she could help me. This was where it is. And I was like, yes, I need you in my life. And this is someone that I'd been following for probably three or four years. Not, she wasn't a business coach at the time when I started following her, but she had transitioned into this role. And so I trusted her, um, which is a huge piece of business, right? You have to, you usually pay someone that you know, like, and trust. And so I signed up for this program and it was amazing. I learned so much. I connected with some really beautiful people, but when I really sat back and thought about it, like everything that I was learning was so over my head because I was starting at like negative one when it came to business. I didn't know where to like, I didn't know what lead gen meant when I started. I didn't know what any of this stuff was. Right. And so when they were talking about scaling and like, you know, doing all of the things and the, the like ideal client avatar, like I had no idea what any of that meant, none. And so I just felt like a complete fish out of water, <laughs> And my business started out. So like, you know, she tried to support me and say, okay, like, well, what is it? Like, what are your gifts? What are you passionate about? Well, I was passionate about kids because I taught for years. That's what I knew. I was passionate about how people learn and how people like think and how our brains work and all of the rest of it. Right. Because that was my background. That was my comfort zone. And so I started a business and I labeled myself a motherhood mentor. And I decided that I was going to help stressed out moms who needed support for their kids. So I was basically teaching online (laughs) and it's interesting because at the time I felt like I was like, Oh, I'm doing this profound thing and I'm stepping out of my comfort zone. I'm starting this business. And when I look back now, I'm like, Oh, you're so cute. Catherine, the two years ago, Catherine was like still in her comfort zone, doing things that felt safe and not like owning exactly who she was at no point. Did I talk about any of my spirituality at no point? Did I talk about the fact that I was like a psychic medium or that I was highly intuitive? Like I I didn't, I didn't own that. (laughs) And so I came across you the very first time you ran your five day free intuition challenge. And I joined that and like instantly we connected instantly. And I was like, I need this woman in my life because she's going to pull some of this out of me. I know she is. And we've been working together ever since, which I absolutely love. Um, but it's, you know, through this process of like, it's almost, I think, I think when I, when I, when, what it comes down to is that you held space for me to lean in and listen to my intuition. Right. And the more that I've been allowed to be in this safe space, to lean into my intuition and connect with my business guides and like own the fact that I have the capability of doing that, that is what has blossomed my business into what it is today. So I, I shifted from a motherhood mentor into, I think I just called myself like a women's empowerment mentor. Um, and then I, I was brave enough to call myself an intuitive mentor, but I didn't really tell anybody what that meant because I was using the Akashic records similar to you with my clients, but I never like, I mean, I did obviously get their permission and I told them in their sessions what it was about, but it was never advertised anywhere. And then finally, one day I was like, enough is enough. And this is when my intuition started getting louder. So the more time I spent with you, the more space that was held with me to play with my intuition, to play with like, you know, those nudges that were coming in and follow some of the programs that were coming in and like have an opportunity to like, put it out there in a safe space. You were the first person to let me like post an offer in your group. And that was a safe space for me to explore and just see if what I had to offer was enough. 
And that that's a key to part of this too, is like realizing that you're enough, right. Which is a huge other piece. Um, but the more that I was allowed this safe space to play and follow those intuitive nudges that I was getting, the easier it's been to lean in and trust because intuition and self-trust go hand in hand. You can have the intuition, but if you don't have self-trust, your intuition is not going to take you anywhere. And so I have, I have now finally got to a place where I completely own the fact that I am deeply intuitive. I have all of these psychic senses that I have access to and I'm able to use them. And not only do I use it to support my clients, I I now also have a program where I teach people how to step into their own gifts and realize the power that, that it offers them. And it, I mean, it can be powerful for business, but it can be powerful just for your personal self as well. Cause it makes you feel like you're not alone. Right. For me, it started off in motherhood. My intuition was like a guiding light in, in all my um, trials and trepidations actually, because I've had a lot of, of that in, in motherhood and um, to be able to trust yourself and, and trust yourself enough that you face people who don't get it and you still do your thing and until you get like that tenacious um, attitude where I'm sorry, I believe this, I'm not going to give up until this is done. Um, and, and that happened actually for me even last week where my youngest was finally diagnosed with autism uh, when nobody believed me when I said that they were. Um, and it was, it started with my first child, same thing. No, people didn't even know about autism in my family. And my mom blamed me and my parenting for 15 years, even though they were, my, my eldest son was diagnosed, even though it was all official, even though my mom had all the information in the world, she still blamed my parenting. It was just crazy. <laughs> but my intuition won in the end. And, um, and sadly, she lost her role in my in my life because of that. But that's you know that's consequences for you. That's boundaries. Mm-hmm. It certainly started with my with mothering for me, and then it it sort of spread into my entire life because it's been so valuable. Mm-hmm. So well, valuable. it's really interesting what you said because, like, I think intuition and boundaries go hand in hand too, right? And like, so many of us have very weak boundary lines because we don't trust. We don't trust ourselves. We don't trust our intuition. We don't trust like how we're feeling. We don't, we don't have that like unwavering sense of self to be able to say no to someone or this doesn't feel right. Or, uh, like I, I trust fully. I know what, what's happening. Sometimes you don't know how, you know, but there's, there's one of our magical psychic senses, right? It's so hard to say and and stand behind our intuition is that we don't have the proof. And yeah. sometimes the proof comes, you know, as a insight rather than before. Exactly. Sure. Exactly. And the more that we can become self-aware of things like that, right. Of those senses that we can't see or prove that's, that, that's what I guess grows our power to some degree. Right. And I'm not I saying that people who are not intuitive or who do not lean into it are not powerful because you are like, like, powerful being personally powerful is is relative if you feel like you have strong boundaries and you can you know stand by your values by your core values in your life and you bring you have joy and you have abundance and all the rest of it then like you're a powerful person that doesn't mean that you necessarily tune into these like psychic or intuitive senses but for those of us who do we have to understand that just because we can't prove our point that also helps us like you know lean into that personal power, right? It doesn't have to be proven. We just have to know and we have to trust and we have to feel. And when we do, and when we can stand in that and set those healthy boundaries for ourselves, then it makes us have this like deeper sense of self and self-fulfillment, right? But I think that's where Catherine, I think that's where the community is so important. And that's why I feel my group is so important as well. There's many other groups, obviously. But it's mm-hmm. because it's by fostering this in others and supporting each other in our faith in ourselves that we, we, we become stronger. Absolutely. Because we're all human and humans thrive on validation. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. And not having to justify. Uh, and in, 
I mean, I have so many stories, but if, if one comes to mind, this was with my first husband, where we went for our first, um, we went for a trip after we finished our studies to Spain. And we went to this restaurant and I, I literally, I could not eat the dinner. I was like, I was like, no, I'm not eating it. I'm sorry. And my, my, he was my husband, like then, which is students, and he mocked me. He was like, oh, come on, you're being, you know, irrational, etc." He ended up being sick for two days. And I was so glad I stood by my, my gut feeling. And from then on, when I had a bad feeling about something, he would listen because he paid the price. He yeah. paid a really high price. He'd never been that sick in his entire life. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I, there was a smell in that food that was probably my psychic sense of smell because I have since um, smelled cigar when there was no no one smoking cigar. You know that sort of thing. So, uh, and he can smell anything longer than me, and I just yeah, I just can't eat it. So that's mm-hmm. you know, just in case someone experiences that, it's completely valid as well. Um, totally go with it because who wants to be sick? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, and that's the thing, like it's it's sometimes hard to trust your intuition because you don't know what's on the other side of it. Right. And sometimes it doesn't always make sense. Sometimes those nudges that you're getting or the information that you're getting that you can't really like understand it, it doesn't make sense. And, and that is like, that is the definition of brave to me is like going in full force with your full self and your full heart and not knowing what's what the outcome is going to be. Right. And so it's, it's, yeah, it's it, and it's it's hard when you're not used to doing that, right? When we, yeah. when we lived through this conditioning of like you oh, you have to be polite, right? Like I'm sure you were probably told that like it's impolite to like, you know, complain about your food or it's impolite to like, you know, stand up to somebody or whatever, right? And so you have that conditioning in your head, but then you have the intuitive nudge of like, no, don't do it. <laughs> So I think I see where that connection piece is so um, powerful that you do with your clients because it's connecting to that inner wisdom and that magic. Once you're connected to that, your entire life is like lit up, isn't it? Yeah. And you don't have that feeling of being alone anymore because obviously you're not alone and you can see that the universe is playing with you and all that. So I really love that. Can you tell us where people can find you first? And then I'll ask you the last question I ask all of my guests because it's my favorite question to ask. Where can okay. people find you? Um, I, I hang out on Facebook and Instagram mostly. So uh, on Instagram, I'm the connected female. Um, and on Facebook, it's just me, Catherine Rickert. And I also have a, a group called the connected female tribe where I do a lot of like free training. We do free card readings. It's, it's very similar to the energy of your group. Actually, we talk about all things like, you know, mindset, magic, everything. And I, by magic, magic for me is that like kind of childlike wonder magic. It's not witchy magic. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but that's my jam is like, leaning into that imagination and like what lights you up on the inside what makes you happy what's your favorite thing <laughs> and you know in my experience all my kids uh, were psychics when they were living um and could feel energy and sense things that other people couldn't sense so uh mm-hmm. it made sense to me right so the question i ask all my guests are you ready <laughs> i'm ready <laughs> what would you say to someone who's afraid to use their intuition in business What's the cost if you don't? That's a really good one. Because I have had quite a few guests that have come onto the show and told me and asked how much they've lost for not listening. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's what it comes down to. It's like you can keep going, you can never listen to your intuition and you can have a beautiful life. <laughs> but is it going to feel as fulfilled or as magical or as you know happy as it as it would if you actually followed your intuition all the time like when I think about like the influence especially in particularly in business when I think about the you know the influence that you know coaches or mentors have on business owners and I say this with love. I mean, you do things the way that works for you, right? And so then, of course, you teach the way that works for you. But unfortunately, 
there's many times where we connect with someone and although we love their energy and we love their systems and we love their, their teaching, it doesn't work for us because we're wired differently. Right. And so for any of us who are highly intuitive and who recognize that a lot of the like mainstream business suggestions don't, don't necessarily work because we, we come from a different lens, right? Yes. And sometimes it's just that you find something, your intuition tells you this is right, but then there's aspects of it that you need to move out. So yeah. it's all about being discerning in many different ways. Yeah. Because I've had a few, like I was counting how many mentors have been instrumental in my business success so far. And there's about four people and they all taught me a completely different thing that, mm-hmm. that was beautiful in, in itself. So um, and a lot of it was about discernment and sticking to my values, uh, which at the beginning, I have to say, I let go because I felt I didn't know. And so I just did what other people did. I'm not saying I'm proud of it, but it was a very good lesson to learn. Because that, yeah. Oh, that's why it didn't feel right. And that's why this didn't work. Because it just wasn't aligned with what I was supposed to do. Yeah. But when you're in it and you don't realize that, right? Like you don't you get have sucked in. Like I call that being NLP into something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And like and, and you know, all of those people have the best intentions. They're not trying to like, you know, influence you in ways that would be detrimental, but like here it is. It's again, it's like bringing it back to yourself. You are powerful. And so trusting yourself and putting it through your own filter is like the most important step in the process, right? I suppose I'd finish saying that your intuition knows things that you don't know, so trust it. Because I think that's the thing that goes beyond what other coaches or business mentors or whatever could do is that your intuition has a peek into the bigger picture. So sometimes you have to, yeah, just find Relinquish the control. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so hard. (laughs) I know, I know, I know. I love it. Catherine, thank you so much for coming today on the show. And I also want to thank our listeners for coming to the end of this interview. It's been a delight for me, and I'm sure it's been a delight for everyone. And um, uh, we'll come back for, with another episode next week then. Thank you thank so, you much, so much for having me. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Business Intuition Podcast. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe Give us a rating, and if you haven't done it yet, write a review so that more listeners can enjoy this podcast. Don't forget to join my free group on Facebook, Business Intuition for Female Entrepreneurs. And go on to my website to download my free workbook on the four steps to trust your intuition in business. My website is theintuitionrevolution.co.uk.